Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and this will be part two of two. And remember, last time I ended about the non-coronary cardiac CT cases, and I was going to show you a few additional findings. And so just a couple of common concepts. One is coronary artery anomalies are not all that common. They can be found in up to 1% of healthy individuals. Now, many of these anomalies are not that important. So for example, I've seen a number of cases of where the left anterior descending and the circumflex both arise off the left cusp and there's no left main coronary artery. That's not very critical. You also see a number of anomalies where the uh, coursing vessel goes behind uh, the ascending aorta and in front of the uh, patient's left atrium, which is typically not a, a clinically significant, uh, or, or at least in terms of sudden death issue, as opposed to those vessels which track between the ascending aorta and the pulmonary outflow tract. So let's look at some examples. So here, here's a great case. This is a very unusual case. This patient had medial stenotomy previously, and you can see why. You see on these images the patient's right coronary artery in a classic location. Where is the left main coronary artery? And when you look at the sequence of images, you can see the left main coronary artery is coming off the patient's right cusp. It then tracks downward and posterior, goes between the aorta and left atrium, and then branches into the circumflex and left anterior descending coronary artery. So a very unusual anomaly, but this is one that uh, will typically be uh, treated conservatively, or they will need to do, potentially to be safe, will need to do a bypass. Now in this case, the patient did have a rema bypass. Unfortunately, the bypass failed because of lack of pressure in the circulation. And you can see in this case very nicely, here's the volume rendering where I'm showing you there's the LAD, there's the circ, come together, left main, and there's the left main going right into the right cusp. Just a beautiful visualization. And I think the interactivity, I know I've spoken about this before, really shows that well. And here we're just simply rotating the front of the heart. You see the left interior, uh, the left uh, internal mammary artery in nice position. The right is missing. This clips off the aorta or near the aorta. So you can see the rema is gone. Just a very, very nice example of that. Again, those two 3D maps really put you in perspective. And I really do like these videos. It would be great if we can routinely put videos on a PAC system to get to the referring cardiologist or referring physician in general. I think it would really help us. Now we got to put it on CD or email it, which can be at times a bit painful. And here's just two more renderings, a little bit of color mapping showing you the uh, patient's right coronary and left main coronary arising off that right cusp nearly adjacent to each other. Now, there have been many articles written about anomalies, and it also does make the point that CT is a study of choice for looking at anomalies. And there is no doubt that that indeed is the case. Um, there's no doubt that that's the study of choice, and it's one of the first uh, cardiac applications that was paid. So now, unfortunately, at times, it's not thought about, and at cath, it may be hard to see. So let me show you an example. Here's a second case we're going to look at. This case shows a patient who had a stent placed two weeks earlier. The symptoms the patient had were not getting any better. And so they thought maybe the stent was occluded. And here I did some 3D imaging, which shows very nicely the patient's stent in the LAD. There's no issues, okay? But as I looked more carefully, look what I found in this patient. The patient's right coronary artery arises off the left cusp and then travels between the ascending aorta and pulmonary outflow tract. It's a small vessel, but you can see where the compressive forces in this 
of 50-ish year old male could cause narrowing of that vessel and decrease flow and cause chest pain. And this is the ones you worry about, where the anomalous vessel travels between the pulmonary outflow tract and the ascending aorta. And so it's all likelihood the patient's symptoms were related to this anomalous vessel. I looked back at the cath report. They said uh, they could not find the right coronary, but it probably was in its normal place. Well, obviously, that wasn't the case. At times, the cath is very difficult. So, um, again, just a wonderful example. Now, as long as I was showing you the aortic root, let me just make a few comments. People always ask me questions, what are your measurements? Well, typically the aortic root should be under 3.9 centimeters in adult. Uh, typically the ascending aorta is about 3.5 centimeters or less at the level of the main pulmonary artery on the, the right side. The arch is typically less than 3 centimeters, and descending aorta typically is under 2.5 centimeters. Again, those are rules, and you've got to take that with a little bit of a grain of salt, like all rules in radiology. In terms of the aortic root, there are many reasons for the root being dilated. Atherosclerotic disease is probably number one. But syndromes, Marfan's, Lowy's Dietz, Ehlers-Danlos, bicuspid valve, familiar thoracic aortic syndrome are all indeed possibilities. And let me show you one case of a patient with uh, Marfan's. Look at that dilated aortic root. And you can see this patient actually had a ascending aortic graft. And now what's happened is the graft is kind of failing and pushing back. And look how the sinuses of Valsalva have begun to dilate out. Uh, just this patient will need a composite graft now. Uh, just something very, very, uh, a very nice example of that. I'll comment on Lowy's Dietz. Lowy's Dietz is an unusual syndrome. We just published an article on it. Uh, aneurysms form at a young age and have a propensity for dissection. Uh, they will tend to rupture at diameters smaller than those used for typically other issues. Lowy's Dietz syndrome is uh, caused by heterozygous mutations in the genes encoding type 1 or 2 transforming growth factor. The overcompensatory increase in the, the growth factor results in associated phenotype that closely resembles Marfan syndrome. Um, so it's something, again, we see a lot of patients at Hopkins with Marfan's. Now we see a lot of Lowy's Dietz patients, and Hal Dietz is head of the Marfan's and genetics clinic at Hopkins. So it all makes sense, right? Thoracic aortic aneurysms are one of the classic findings of Lowy's Dietz. They're more aggressive than Marfan's and require careful monitoring and typically surgical intervention. Uh, the aneurysms are due to a loss in elastin content in the media, resulting from defects in elastogenesis. And here's just a nice example. Look at that dilated aortic root to the sinus of Valsalva. These patients, just like Marfan's patients, could have pectus deformities. And you can see it uh, in this view as well. In this view, you also see the patient's dilated and ectatic carotid vessels. Remember, with Lowy's Dietz syndrome, besides aneurysms, you also get very ectatic vessels. We see it commonly in the carotids. We see it commonly in the mesenteric vessels. We see it commonly in the basilar vessels. So those are some uh, real highlights. And uh, if you want to know more about this, well, let me tell you one place you can find out about this. Well, one thing you can Google, and you can find out a whole bunch of cardiac anomalies. And we are putting together some additional material for RSNA on that. So I'll share that with you after RSNA. You also can go to our Mediterranean cruise this year. We've been to the Mediterranean the last two years. And this year we're starting in Rome and ending in Rome and going to Sicily and Athens and Crete and Turkey and something else. We have a terrific meeting. And those of you who were at the meeting last year had a great time, I'm sure. And 
our brochures are out, and, and we should have a great time this year. And so, you know, people always um, talk about, you know, quiz cases. So I'm going to use our picture. This was our extended family on the cruise last year. That's the faculty and many of our friends and family. And that's on the stairway in the ship. Now, the quiz is, who are the people? So here's the first question. Who are these two? Well, those are two of our uh, junior faculty. We have very young faculty. We now recruit out of kindergarten or pre-kindergarten to be exact. And uh, um, so those are two of our junior faculty. And so let me ask you a few more quiz questions. Who is that person? Ken Travis. Ken's been to 25 years of meetings in a row. Ken's from uh, G Healthcare, formerly Amersham, formerly Kodak, formerly Winthrop, and Ken's district manager out of uh, Nashville, and a good friend of ours for many years. And next question, who is that person? Well, it's Dan Peters. Dan recently retired from G Healthcare. Dan was the president of the pharmaceutical side, one of the most talented people all of us know for many years, and one of the truly great guys in in radiology and Dan by the time this comes out will be in charge of some new hot company and uh, we can't tell you that right now or I'll have to be shot. Who's that? Well that's our chairman and his wife that's Dr. and Dr. Lewin and their kids are right in front of them. And Next question who is this? Well to be balanced you know all CME has to be balanced and I showed you a couple people who were with uh, G Healthcare and that's Peter Kingman, his wife, who were with Siemens Medical Systems, and Peter is head of CT in the U.S. And then you could ask, who's that? Well, that's Carlita Kearney. Carlita's head of CME at Hopkins, and uh, she comes in all our meetings, and she makes sure that we actually run the meeting and do not uh, mess around. So everything is per CME requirements and per the uh, ACME requirements. And then you could ask, who is that? Well, that's my daughter, Whitney, and that's my son, Tori. And for those of you who are thinking about taking your families, whether your kids are small or your kids are a bit older, uh, you can easily drag them along on the cruise, and they'd be happy to go. Now, you can look at this picture. What is this? Well, this is the faculty. So to your right, three of us, Karen Horton, myself, and John Lewin from Hopkins and Dave Nadich, formerly from Hopkins about 27 or 28 years ago. And Dave is a world-class professor of radiology on thoracic radiology, world expert from NYU. And I show this picture and I show this picture and Karen wants to know that she looked better with her hands behind her back or in front of her anyway. And let me show you our picture of our faculty next year. Now, of course, I can't show you the picture because we always take the picture the last night on the cruise. So I'll have to give you an almost picture. So there's Karen and myself. There's Mike Federley and Elias Sahuni. And, and Mike, as you know, uh, world famous professor of radiology from Pittsburgh, expertise on liver and pancreas, and that's what we'll be speaking about. And Elias Sahuni, formerly chair at Hopkins, head of the NIH, will be giving his personal opinion on the future of radiology, the future of medicine, and the future of healthcare. So it should be a terrific meeting I think we got a terrific faculty, and as always, I'm sure we'll have terrific attendees. And so with that, I wish you all a good day.